Welcome, 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 and welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. It's your boy Jalen, and I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank you guys that are all here. I know that this is scary times, especially with the virus going on. Um, definitely uncertain times, and I appreciate for people, the people that continue to listen, continue to come back. Um, for people that saw last week and us looking this week at the visuals on YouTube. My camera's not working. I have to get a new camera. I'm waiting for Amazon to send my camera, but you know, with the shipping delays. So unfortunately this week you're gonna get the audio as well. But I do thank my YouTube viewers for uh, rocking with me. Today, I have a very special guest, uh, Janae Rochelle. She is a Washington Wizards, Washington Mystics uh, reporter. And we talked all things Washington, man. We talked the Wizards. We talked Bradley Bill. We talked about John Wall. We talked about everything Wizards. Oh, everything Washington. So I, I definitely welcomed her, and you'll hear that uh, towards the end of the episode. But this is what I want to. What I want to start with is disrespect. <laughs> Two thousand fifteen wasn't that much longer. Wasn't that long ago. In fact. 2018 wasn't that long ago. 2018 was only two years ago. Cam Newton still does not have a team. James Winston still does not have a team. When you look at some of the... And a lot of people want to say that Cam Newton does not have a team due to the fact of his injury history. Yeah, Cam Newton has an injury history. But let's talk about some of the other historic moments that Cam Newton's had. Because all all the people want every time you you hear about a quarterback, you hear about his injury history, you hear oh he's banged up, oh he's over the hill, this and the third. Let's talk about some recent histories. The year Cam Newton was mostly healthy was 2018. He was producing, or he was he was he was producing some of the best numbers. He's almost. In fact, he was producing outside in 2015. He was producing, producing some of the best numbers he's ever produced. Accuracy-wise, pass completion-wise, interceptions were low, touchdowns were high, and the Panthers were winning until he got hurt. 2019, everybody knew Cam Newton was still hurt, but because he wanted to play through injury and he wanted to be out there, he played. Yes, he wasn't the greatest, but he still played. Let's go back to 2015. You know, we, we talk about Lamar Jackson. We say how crazy and how great Lamar Jackson's season was last year. But we forget, 2015 Cam Newton was one of the greatest quarterback seasons we've ever seen. Yes, they did not win the Super Bowl that year. But that still doesn't take away from the greatness that we saw Cam Newton exude that regular season. And a lot of people says, well, if they didn't win a Super Bowl, why does it matter? If that's the case, we really need to have a conversation about how good Peyton Manning really was. I'm not saying he was bad, but I'm just saying, why are we moving the goalposts for some quarterbacks like Cam Newton? But, and I'm not I'm not really comparing Cam Newton to, to Peyton Manning. Don't hear that. Hear me say, every time I bring up 2015 and Cam Newton's incredible season, 
they always say that well that was the regular season that was the regular season you see what happened in the playoffs you see what happened in the Super Bowl I do but I also understand that if that's the case we have to we have to look at Peyton Manning a little different because Peyton Manning to me is probably the greatest regular season quarterback ever but if the regular season doesn't matter as as you want to tell me it doesn't matter when we talk about Cam Newton it shouldn't matter when we talk about uh, Peyton Manning and if it doesn't matter how great really is Peyton Manning but I digress. That's, a, that's another question for another day. Cam Newton still doesn't have a team. Cam Newton, when healthy, has already shown that he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And when I say let's talk about disrespect, let's talk about disrespect on a whole bunch of fronts. Let's talk about disrespect first from the Panthers. Cam Newton is the, is the greatest player that has ever put on a Carolina Panthers uniform. Maybe not the most loved. Maybe not the most recognized. No, he is definitely the most recognizable. Cam Newton is the best player Carolina has ever had. And the fact that you knew, most, most people knew that Cam Newton's days were numbered when Kyle Allen was doing what Kyle Allen was doing last year. And then when they got a new coach, Matt Rule. And then when Matt, they didn't really have a glimmer of, they didn't really have a praise of confidence for Cam. It was, the writing was kind of on the wall. So the fact that you knew, you pretty much, they pretty much knew Cam Newton wasn't coming back. Or they didn't want Cam Newton coming back. Especially with Ron Rivera leaving. They knew Greg Olson leaving. They knew they were trying to start fresh. So the fact that you know this, yet you release Cam Newton. No, you you say Cam Newton can go look for a trade. Cam Newton then comes out and say, no, you're forcing me to do that. But you already know Cam Newton can't find a trade because teams already know you're going to release him. So what do you do? You release him after Free agency is pretty much wrapped up. Yeah, free agency is still going on, but most of the quarterbacks are still picked up. Most of the teams are already looking for or already have their starting quarterback. Only teams that maybe aren't the smartest or aren't really looking for a starting quarterback is on the market. So that's disrespect from the Panthers. Disrespect from the rest of the NFL League. All you want to talk, all they want to talk about is Cam Newton is injured. Cam Newton is this. Cam Newton is that. Cam Newton, when healthy, has shown to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And they say uh, one team that was floating around was the Chargers. Oh, uh, a lot of people said, well, the Chargers have Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor is a better fit than Cam Newton. If you think Tyrod Taylor in any, I don't care if you play NBA Street Volume, I mean NFL Street Volume Two. I don't care if you play. Madden and boost Tyrod Taylor's numbers. Tyrod Taylor will never be a better fit than Cam Newton. But you want to convince yourself that why? Because Cam Newton has injury history. You know who else has an injury history? Big Ben. He's still on a team. You know who else has an injury history that got that was a free agent and got picked up this year? Philip Rivers. From the team, from a team which is the Colts that needed a quarterback, but because 
the Carolina Panthers took so long to release Cam Newton, they pick up Phillip Rivers, who, like I said, has an injury history. You know who else has an injury history? Nick Foles. Nick Foles got traded from the Jaguars to the Bears, another team that could use a, comp, a, a, a pretty good starting quarterback because they're kind of out on Mitch Trubisky. Even though they all say, yeah, we, we believe in Mitch. What I'm saying is this. When we talk about Cam Newton, put respect on that man's name. Understand that Cam Newton is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league when healthy. And the and it's funny. And you really you really learn a lot about a person when things are different. You release Cam, and the first thing you do is get a is get wide receiver help. The one thing that you did not have with Cam. Cam's best receiver was Steve Smith, which 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 was good. Don't get me wrong. Steve Smith and Devin Funches and Greg Olson. And Greg Olson is another player that dealt with a lot of injuries. So just put some respect on Cam's name, man. And this goes to Jameis Winston, but Jameis Winston is kind of a different case. Is Jameis Winston better than Tyrod Taylor? Yes. Is Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston, and I talked about this, uh, I think maybe last episode, Jameis Winston's ceiling is so high, but his floor is so low. First player in NFL history to throw 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. He just doesn't seem to get it. When he's right, he is right. But when he's not right, He'll give you some pick sixes. He'll give you five interception games. It's 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 crazy to me. Maybe you know a a a, a fresh start out of Tampa Bay is what he needs. I don't know, but I do know this. There should be no reason why Nick Foles, who was a Super Bowl winning quarterback, don't get me wrong. Against, oh, but he was on a team that had one of the greatest or one of the best defenses in NFL history, statistically. But there should be no reason why a player like Nick Foles or Phillip Rivers, who we saw, and a lot of people were surprised that he got picked up. A lot of people was like, yo, this is it's it for Phillip. But he got signed. And Tyrod Taylor are, 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 and Ryan Tannehill is, are getting assurances while there's players on the market like a Cam Newton and like a Jameis Winston to me that that's wild in in every way shape or form so but while we talk about free agency and while we're talking about free agency one thing I do want to talk about is who will make the biggest impact newcomer make the biggest impact you have uh, there was a lot of moves you know you have Arizona made moves Houston made moves Baltimore made moves um Redskins made some moves you know there's there's moves galore but two people I wanted three moves I want to uh highlight one of them was of course DeAndre Hopkins 
DeAndre Hopkins, to me, will make the biggest impact, not only for the Cardinals, but make an impact for the Houston Texans, or his absence will be, an, will, will be a huge impact for the Houston Texans. DeAndre Hopkins, it's no, it's no um, secret that I think DeAndre Hopkins is one of, if not the best, wide receiver in the game. His, t- his, his play with Deshaun Watson, wasn't he, he made Deshaun Watson better. Yes, Deshaun Watson is still incredible, but he made him better. He made Houston Texans better. The fact that he's not there, and then you replace him with a Randall Cobb, who I, yeah, that's a wide receiver, got it, but that's not D-Hop. And then D- David Johnson, who, <sighs> Arizona was savoring at the mouth to get rid of. That's gonna, that's gonna, I think that move is a, is a, is a, is a fan. It, that move can really turn off fans. You trade not only you're one of the best wide receivers in the game, but a beloved character like that. And it's clear that it was traded for personal reasons because you didn't get anything fair back. You didn't even get a first round pick. Or that move. Not not even or and that move will affect Deshaun Watson because who yes you have Will Fuller, but Will Fuller is a player that constantly deals with injury. Yes, you have Kenny Stills, but Kenny Stills has shown to not to be a number one uh, receiver. Randall Cobb is not a number one wide receiver, especially at this age of his career. And David Johnson, who also deals with injury a lot, we don't know. He's yeah, he might be able to catch some balls at the backfield, but what are you running with David Johnson? That you could run, that you could not run with DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins' absence will be felt in Houston, just like his presence will be felt in Arizona. Now you have not only one of the best wide receivers in the game, but you have one of the most beloved vets in the game in Larry Fitzgerald. Helping a young Kyler Murray. This will be Kyler Murray's second year. And while Kyler Murray won the Offensive Player of the Year, or Offensive Rookie of the Year, it just gives him another weapon. Uh, a reliable weapon, because we, as we know, I think it was maybe a year ago, or two, a year or two ago, where DeAndre Hopkins didn't, miss, didn't, didn't drop a pass the entire season. So, I think DeAndre Hopkins is one of the biggest impacts that we'll feel. Another big impact I think we'll feel is Stephon Diggs to Buffalo. Josh Allen is one of the most inconsistent quarterbacks, but he's young. And kind of like Jameis Winston, but not on, this, you know, not on the same level, his highs are really high and his lows are really low. But I think that when you have a legitimate number one threat, number one receiver, that just does wonders for you. Especially a team that's already loaded at every position except wide receiver, really. And you bring on a Stephon Diggs, that does nothing but improve your team. Then the last one 
that I think the last and maybe the biggest impact would be Calais Campbell to the Ravens. The Ravens' problem last year was wide receiver and defense. And their defense was very strong last year. That was just, they definitely needed a D line, like a, a pass rusher. And now you bring one of the best in Calais Campbell that still has, that still has juice, and you only give up a fifth round pick for him? I think that is going to be huge, not only for that defense, but for Lamar Jackson. And a team that was shattering records last year just added one of the best defensive players to a defense that's already good. And you really only had to give up uh, a second option tight end. I think the Ravens are going to be scary this year or next year. I think uh, the Chiefs are going to be back. Um, I think the 49ers, the 49ers did lose to Forrest Buckner. That was huge, but I think they'll be good. Um, of course, we have to see teams, you know, bounce back years. Like we have to see how the Eagles are going to do because the Eagles were decimated with injury. I don't think the Cowboys are going to be that good because the Cowboys lost a lot of pieces. And not only did they lose a lot of pieces, I think that the whole Dak situation is still going to loom over them. Uh, it's it's this is going to be an interesting season, man. I, I I still think the Saints have a run in them. I know it's like three years in a row that they end horribly, but you know I I think the Saints still have a push in them. You know when you have Kamara, when you have Michael Thomas, now that you have Emmanuel Sanders, now you, of course you have Drew Brees still, you have um, Taysom Hill still. They they still have a core. And I think that core is good enough to at least get them far in the in the playoffs. I think that losing Stephon Diggs hurts the Vikings. And, of course, we don't really know. In fact, we do know how Kirk Cousins is. And Kirk Cousins, to me, is not the person that can take you up, take you, you know, to the promised land. So I think there's going to be an interesting season. Of course, we have to see how the Rams do and if Jared Goff will help that, you know, Will help that or 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 justify that contract. I was gonna say Todd Gurley was one of the biggest impacts, but we don't know yet. Of course, we know about the knee injury or the knee arthritis and you know the injury history. If he's back to a hundred, he was one of, if not the best running backs in the league. But we have to see how it is because we haven't seen it in a while. So I think that's um, that's gonna be big. And that it's just this. There's a lot of storylines going into this season that I'm really excited to see. Uh, really excited. Uh, lastly, actually, uh, lastly, when I t- uh, in the football realm, the NFL owners are expected today actually to approve playoff extension to 14 teams. That's huge because now you have you have a conference that could have three teams. Like look at the look at the NFC when you have the Ravens. I mean, not the Ravens. You have the Falcons that could make it. You have the Saints that could make it. You have, um, I don't think the Panthers are making it. <laughs> but, but oh, boom. You have the, 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 the Bucks that could make it. You have the Steel, uh, Seahawks that could make it. And you have the 49ers that could make it. So this really changes the dynamic and, and really makes every game that more important yeah you add another team but that does mean another another team just gets bumped out so while some play some teams are like yes i can't you know this is our chance other teams is like yo we, we 
just like we have another shot of, or we have a, an additional shot of making it, so does every other team. So I think the dynamic, you know, we, we talked about this with the with the CBA or CFA, whatever it's called. <laughs> so I think that's 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 something to behold, man. I don't know how long that's going to last because, like I said, players, you know, are players. So who knows? Um, and, and and some play, it's it's just an extra game. And I'm not saying just. This next game, number one seed is to get buys, so and, and it makes it a little easier for the number one seeds. Excuse me. It makes it easier for the number one seeds to 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 advance in the playoffs because you have a first round buy just like usual. So who knows? Um, and before I get to Janae, one big news, and and we talked about this before, but the 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 Olympics getting pushed back to, I believe, June of 2021. And that's that's huge for the NBA in this sense. If the Olympics was this year, there was a lot of players that may have wanted to play but could due to injury. Or they could be, they could be coming back from injury but reluctant to play because they want to continue to rehab, wait for next season. Like like a Kevin Durant, like a uh, Kyrie Irving, like a Clay Thompson, these players that may want to play, and, and and definitely are good enough to play, but they couldn't due to injury. Now that you push it back a year, and of course barring any unforeseen injuries, now you have uh, players like again KD, John Wall, maybe uh, Kyle, uh, what's his name, Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson. Those players now should be fully healthy. So now that you and of course this gives LeBron James another year of rest, uh, Steph Curry, Clay, uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, these give players more time to rest. So that now in 2021 you're reloading with a fully, Lord willing, a fully healthy roster. So now it's just like, all right, yeah. Now it's like, oh well, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Kevin Durant can't play because he's rehabbing, or Klay Thompson can't play because he's rehabbing, or John Wall didn't make it because he couldn't even play because he's injured. Like that's that that is the real. That's one of the only benefits that I see with postponing the uh, for the NBA at least postponing the Olympics to next year. It, it definitely gives players more time to heal up, and it gives players more symptoms. Like okay. Now everyone that wants to play has an option, as in like you're going to fight for your, your positions for the best of the best. So I think that's, that's, that's exciting there in and of itself. Um, so, you know, I'm just I'm ready for it. This, this quarantine thing is really messing up a lot of things, uh, but it did bring on some, some, some great things. <laughs> the Michael Jordan doc that we've been waiting on uh, that was supposed to be in June, I believe. Is now in April. I think it's they said it's dropping April nineteenth. So I'm excited about that. So um, yeah. But without further ado, I want to bring again Miss Janae Rochelle on. She is a Washington Wizards and Washington Mystics sideline reporter. I wanted to get her take about everything Washington, and and it was it was such a pleasure. Oh, and how of course she's dealing with 
the the virus i wanted to talk to her about uh should the nba come back this year or or cancel the season and again i want to talk about the dynamic that john wall and bradley bill is going to have once they get back on the court so without further ado the lovely janae rochelle so janae i wanted to bring you on because i see you have a large footprint when it comes to dnv sports you might not think it but you know, I've seen you at multiple WNBA games. I've seen you at multiple Wizards games. You do the sideline games, you do the the post game conference. So, and, and I thought I thought I would love to have you on. One question that I have is, why sports? Why did you fall in love with sports, or how did you fall? Well, you just gave me a, a really good introduction there. I appreciate that. I didn't know I had that big of a foot in sports here, but I'll take it. <laughs> um, but first again, thank you for having me. Um, uh, sports to me, I am a former athlete. I used to play basketball, and I've always had a competitive edge about me, like since a child. Like it's just when I think back to like even the simple things. So I fell in love with sports at a very young age because of the competitive edge. And also I'm a team player by nature. Like that's just who I am. It's in my DNA. Team player, that's what I do. And um, the two just go hand in hand. Anybody who's played sports knows that. And um, I played basketball since like about 10, 11, and all the way up until about senior year, did the competitive AU and all that stuff. Um, Had an opportunity to go to school with it. Didn't follow through with it. Senior year, my mind was a little bit elsewhere. And because it was, you know, I kind of lost lost touch with basketball. Still a fan of the game, and it wasn't until I merged both my love for communications and media and basketball where I discovered, wow, you know what I mean? This sports reporting thing, like this is this is what I want to do. This is a way to merge two of my favorite things. So I mean, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's two things that I like to do. I like to talk, and I love sports. I love basketball. So it just it goes hand in hand in, in my head. So let's. So with sports stopping, man, I can just speak for myself. I never knew and really understood how many Law and Order episodes there really are. <laughs> with sports stoppage, like it, it's it's like every almost every channel either got Law and uh, Law and Order or The Office. So just like ah, how how have you adjusted or or survived through this uh, sports stoppage? Now of course you know it's serious with the coronavirus or COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. So I hope everybody stays safe. But how have you been able to adjust and cope to the stoppage in sports? Well, I mean, I I don't think I really realized how much sports, basketball in particular, was involved in my daily routine until it has been stopped. Like like you said, we understand the severity of it. And, you know, I mean, the selfish human in me is like, I want sports, but then when you look at the, you know, the human in me is also like, you know, this is, the reason why it's paused is because it's saving millions of people's lives right now, so we get that, but I mean, I just, I didn't, I mean, I took for granted how much sports, like, I relied on sports to just do, like, daily activities, like, I wake up, this is what I do, I wake up or whatever, and literally, I'm, like, on my sporting ass, (laughs) so now with sports at a hall, it's like, Oh wow! So I, I don't do that now that I wake up. Like so, it, it's 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 affected my life a lot. I want it back, but I also understand the severity of things, and you know, it sucks that I was getting so good too. You know, it's playoff season, and WNBA was getting ready to start, so it just it couldn't have been at a more 
you know, better time, but it is what it is, you know. Definitely finding a new normal beyond sports. <laughs> and I was uh, now I know I'm definitely going to get into a lot of a lot of weather stuff with you or and and mystics because that's what you primarily do. But for anybody that goes into your social media, you can clearly see that you're well invested in almost everything sports. One thing that I did want to get your opinion on was the Cam Newton situation. Um, as now, disclaimer, we're recording this on a Thursday. So mm-hmm. if you get the team by by when this drops in eight. But I think it's crazy for myself to hear they say, you know, the reason why Cam Newton at this point is assigned is because, you know, they think he's a locker room distraction. They don't know if he can gel well with teammates. Um, and, of course, his medical history. And I always, I always find it funny that every time they talk about a black quarterback, it's either they're a locker room or a black player, let's just say that, that the locker room, their locker room presence isn't the greatest um, or this, that, and third. But then you have players, not going to say any names, that have a laundry list of, of criminal records or off-the-field incident instances but still get signed. Do you think that? First of all, where do you think Cam Newton will go if he hasn't gone somewhere by the time this drops? And uh, how do you how do you feel he's being portrayed right now, seeing as though the Panthers most definitely just moved on from him? So let's be real. I feel like we saw this Cam Newton situation happening. Um, I, I feel like this was everybody's guess. I don't think this is shocking to anybody just judging on how the last season ended and this season begun, that we kind of saw how this, this was going to happen. I can't call it where he'd be right now, um, but I think it'll definitely be somewhere that'll definitely appreciate him and give him a fresh start to prove himself. Um, I mean, I don't like how he's being portrayed. And like you said, I mean, there's this common theme with black athletes in particular, black quarterbacks, where it's like, you know, they already it already isn't really a position, right, that's danced out to be for a, a, a African-American. You know what I mean? They don't they don't stereotypically put, the, put us in those positions. So we already have that, that, that thing against us. And then it's like, you know, you can't even be human and make mistakes beyond that because once you do, it's like you're just ripped to shreds beyond no return because it's a position that they don't think you're qualified for to begin with. So, I mean, I definitely think it's unfair and it's totally unfortunate that he's underneath this scrutiny. Um, but I'm also a realist, too. I think he's kind of dug himself in this in the hole a little bit, judging off of how the things that he said and the things of that such. So, I mean – I don't like it, but I, but I am hopeful that wherever he goes at this point in his career, it will be somewhere where he's appreciated and able to prove himself again. So I am very hopeful for that. Yeah, I think I think it's – I know a lot of people put stock into how he handled losing the Super Bowl in 2015. Uh, I think that was such a good run, though. I mean, I, and I'm not to cut you off, but I mean, mm-hmm. like we look at it just because he didn't win, but I'm, I'm like, if you – saw the work that was put into getting to that point. I mean, no, we don't celebrate a loss, but it's not like he just gave up. You know what I mean? I, I think that that loss overshadows everything else that he did, which is kind of upsetting at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, because it's just like, again, he, he, he lost. He, he's a poor loser. I'm like, yo, Phillip Rivers ain't never even smoked a Super Bowl. But I did hear that. Let's get into, let's get into the Wizards, man. Uh, now, okay, I'm a Wizards fan. 
I'm a diehard Wizards fan. I'm I'm born and raised in in, in DMV. One thing that I can pleasantly say is Bradley Bill has emerged as one of the best players in the um, mm-hmm. offensive game has improved since his rookie year. Uh, his defense has improved. That was one thing that I was, was a little sketchy, but his defense has improved a lot. One mm-hmm. part that I, I wonder is, of course, we know John Wall is recovering from injury, and once he comes back, how that dynamic is going to go. Because I don't think John Wall has ever played – well, I'm, I'm only sure. John Wall has never played with a player this good in his career. How do you mm-hmm. think they'll be able to mesh once they come back? Or once well, I, I think they will. I think they will mesh fine. I mean, let's be very obvious about this. Bradley Bill has been a walking bucket since he entered the league. I mean, minor. I mean, if we look over his the few years that he, he battled the injury bug and stuff like that, I mean, the numbers don't lie. I mean, Bradley Bill has been a even with John, he has still been a walking bucket. That's not up for question. Now, without John, you know. He's had to step up and make those big plays and those big moves and the balls in his hand a lot more now without John, which is, you know, adding to his phenomenal numbers. But I don't think they'll have an issue working with each other at all. I mean, it's obvious that the two work well with each other. You know, um, I I mean, John Wall is praised for his defense, you know what I mean, all how he facilitates the ball. But I also think, and I'm a proud believer, too, that I feel like Bradley Bill gives you a little bit of work on the defensive end, too. So I feel like when they play together, they kind of both complement each other in each, in each of the areas that, you know, one's off on this and I the other one picks up on that. So I don't think it will be a problem at all. I'm actually very excited, especially with them running with the younger squad this year. Um, this is the most that they – the majority of their players are under 22 years old. Yeah. So they have a lot of young people. You know, when John Wall went down, I mean, they were kind of – no disrespect to any of those players, but they were kind of playing with a lot of players who were still kind of passing their prime or, you know, giving you, you, you got what you, you got, you got, you got what you could get. You know what I mean? So now they're, they're definitely with a lot of more, you know, younger players who have a whole lot more of development to their game. So I'm excited to see them come back together, and I don't think it'll be a problem at all. Um, Bradley Bill, one of the reasons, you know, he has emerged as one of the best players in the NBA, who was snubbed in all-star game and never letting that go down because I don't understand how Kyle Lowry made it and Bradley Bill did. That just doesn't make any sense to me. But whatever, you know, I, I, one day I'm going to let it go. It just was very hard that it I, – I couldn't. But um, <laughs> I think what also hasn't really – what we've also been able to see a lot of from Bradley Bill in this um, hiatus of John Wall is his leadership. You know, he's definitely stepped up as a leader. I mean, the numbers, like I said, they're going to do their work itself, but how he has how he has been able to motivate and challenge these young men and, and, and get them to, you know, to, to get, be on one accord. And, you know, it, it, that speaks volumes to him, to, to his character as a person, especially being without, you know, your all-star guard. So I, I really think that that also adds to – you know, um, his emerging as one of the best players in the NBA and somebody who got snubbed. But I'm just I'm going to go. I'm going to go one day, one day. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think, I think it's funny that I remember back in the day, we used to hold stock with, like, you look at Kobe and we look at Dirk and we look at um, players that stay at one spot. And it's like, oh, D Wade, well, he kind of moved around, but we, we all know his, his ties are in Miami. It was like we 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 credit and we we praise the people that stay at 
one spot and try to win in one one spot. So I thought it was I thought it was funny. Now that Bradley Bill was killed for re-upping and, and signing the extension for Washington, and you know, yeah. came out and said, "I want to, I want to, I want to end my career here. I want to build here. I understand what they're doing." But everybody was like, "No, bro, you know, Bradley Bill, you made the wrong decision. This, that, and third. And then I always think, like, you know, we were. I don't know how close you are in the championship. No, but we were what? We're two, maybe three years out of being in the second round of the playoffs in, in like right. a game and a half away from being in the Eastern Conference Finals. So I just think that it's funny that – or I, I always find it funny when players decide to stay on bad teams and it's a terrible decision. But yeah. they also – if she would have went to, like, I don't know, say Golden State or something, they would have killed him for that. So I always think it's funny. Well, I'm sorry, what were you saying? No, I, I I would agree, and I definitely think that plays a big part into how people view him too. I think that's the one thing that kind of kind of like undercuts him at the same way. Like I said, it's kind of crazy because some people get praised for that, and I feel like he's one of the players who's getting penalized for that. Because there's no doubt in my mind that if Bradley Bill was making these numbers on any other team, I feel like he'd get a lot more appreciation than what he's getting now. But because it's with the Washington Wizards, you know what I'm saying, and because he decided to to sign this two-year max with them, even without a John Wall, you know, down and knowing he was going to be down in another season. Um, yeah, I, I think it's fun, funny, and I think it definitely plays a part into how everybody views Bradley Bill. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate that, like, he doesn't get the respect that others get for it. But, I mean, sometimes it just comes down to just, you know, you got to show people, you know what I mean? And, and, and I think the competitor in him and the leader in him is really committed to showing people. You know what I mean? I didn't make a bad season. I didn't make a bad decision by deciding to stay. You know, it may not be as instant of results as I want or anybody else wants, but I didn't make a bad decision doing this. So, I mean, I think I think we're in a waiting game. And probably Bill's only 26 years old. He'll be 27 in June. I think a lot of people are kind of like, you know, I mean, he's, he's got like a, at least a good seven, eight more years in the game before you even have to consider, you know what I mean? stepping down, you know, God forbid any injury. So I think people are also kind of forgetting that too. This is not this is not his last leg, you know what I mean? He's only emerging from this point. So yeah, it's it's very crazy. But I mean, hey, you know, he he carries that badge of honor very, very proudly. So can't be mad at him for that. Yeah, so I was you know, I, I just said we were about two or three years removed from the second round of playoffs. With with John Wall coming back Lord willing, whenever sports comes back, what do you think? Do you think that we're close to getting back to the playoffs? Do you think it's just integrating John Wall? Or do you think there's more that we, as a as a team, have to do um, to at least just make it back to the playoffs? Well, I mean, I mean, I, I do think that if John Wall was healthy and if John Wall comes back, I mean, God forbid, I mean, not God forbid, because I want to come back. But if sports was to come back on and go live within the next month and a half, I don't think it'd be a smart decision to have him back. Now, if we're really looking at what some people say to, like, that August, you know, September type of thing, then maybe. But I don't think it's no need to rush him back if within within these next couple of months. I don't think that's smart. But if we were speaking hypothetically, I do think that, I mean, if John Wall was with them right now, even the – 60% John Wall, I think that they'd have no problem being in the playoffs. 
Um, the last time they were in the playoffs was this John Wall. We want to beat him down so much and praise Bradley Bill, which, you know, he deserves to be praised and stuff like that. But let's be very clear, the last time that the Washington Wizards competed in a playoff game, it was with John Wall. And honestly, to his case, I mean, to, to his case, too, the, the East has only gotten weaker since then. So it's kind of like, I mean, it's, it's, if he was here, you could honestly say that it'd be no reason for them to be five and a half games outside of the playoffs with 17 games left. That doesn't even make any sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, let me let me ask you. I don't mean to cut you off. But let me ask you. You're fine. Now, I kind of understand a little bit. But why do you think John Wall gets such a bad rep? I, I understand the, you know, extracurricular activities. Um, but what do you expect? I mean, athletes can't be in the gym with 24 sets. But I mean, I – go ahead. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Just, just no, your question. I, I was just saying, I I think, all right, so here's here's the most fairest criticism I can say about John Wall. I love John Wall as a player, but one thing that I can say is the NBA adapts. The NBA changes. The NBA gets better year after year. There's players that get better year after year. And while John Wall does, does appear to improve, improve in some areas of the game, there's other areas that I think needs a lot more improvement that hasn't really improved, like his shooting. Let me say that. Like his shooting. Now, of course, not everyone in the NBA can shoot, but when you're a point guard touching the ball as much as he touches the ball, I think mm-hmm. it needs to be a little better. Um, I get the criticism where I don't, I don't understand how you come every single uh, training camp you come out of shape, but one thing I can say is I think that all that, like all his off-season um, activities and extracurricular activities, starts to starts to outshine his play. Because mm-hmm. he's on the floor, he's still one of the best point guards in the league. Would Would you agree? I would totally agree, and I don't I don't think it's so much the outside things overshadowing it as much as I think it's that they're not winning. You know what I mean? That's the quickest way to shut him up, win a game, be competitive, remain competitive. And that's a little bit different, you know what I mean? Because, like you just said, the numbers, again, do a lot, even with him coming to training camp out of shape, even with him having his, quote, unquote, fun outside of, you know, basketball, that distraction, it still doesn't take away from the numbers. It's the fact that you're not winning. So now you're not winning and you're coming out of, you know, the training camp out of shape. You're doing X, Y, and Z and stuff like that. And I don't like to pin that against him. I hate, I really hate him even talking about it because I honestly think that, you know, as you go to know John Wall, he's an emotional person, but he's a competitor. And, um, and you know, I mean, I mean and they're humans. They're entitled to live their life the way they did. No, he didn't, you know, hurt anybody else and him deciding to live his life the way that he wanted to live it. So I, I don't think that that's my place with somebody else is to tear him down with what he decided to do with his extra time. But, um, I do think that, you know, that's the quickest way to shut him up, win, remain competitive. You know, when you do that, it's very hard to, to, to talk about anything that you're doing outside of that. You know, and it makes it a very hard case in point. But when you lose, it makes it very easy, you know. That's true. I think, and I think, to be honest with you, I think the, the, the biggest argument against Jeff Paul, and it's nothing really his fault, is the position he plays. I think mm-hmm. the, the point guard position, if you look in the NBA right now, is at, I think this is the golden age for the point guard position. As in, any given night, you can go up against a Steph Curry or a Ty Curry or, or a Chris Paul or a Russell Westbrook or James Harden. Like, I think because the position is so good, 
he gets compared to uh, then, to others that he really shouldn't be compared to because John Wall is good. You know, again, when he's healthy, when he's right, he's one of the best point guards in the league. But I just think that once you you know once you attach his name to Steph Curry or attach his name to to mm-hmm. to a Kyrie, people start looking like okay, well, John Wall. You know, they start you know minimizing how good John Wallace. He is. And, I, you know, that's a really good case in point. I feel like that's how it, it gets lost in the sauce because you are now comparing him to Steph Curry, you know, and Danes and stuff like that, people who, you know, can shoot your lifestyle. out. I will say, just based off of him, you know, conditioning from what I have with my own eyes, I do think that his shot is becoming a little bit stronger. So I will – I'm not there yet, but I'm going to put some money on it that we will see a much uh, consistent and better shot coming out of John Wall, you know, this season. That's what, at least, that's what I'm hoping for. But, I mean, and also, I mean, a lot of things that some of those guys that he's compared to, you know, a lot of things they may be able to shoot better than but I think John Wall, John Wall is a hell of a two-way player. You know what I mean? There's not that many guards that can give you what he can give you on both ends of the court. And he's a facilitator by all means, regardless of, you know, him shooting at the middle of the, the, the half court or not, he is a facilitator. He does what a point guard is supposed to do. And I'm not going to fault him just because he's not shooting the lights out like Steph Curry. Yeah, you have to develop a shot that remain competitive, but I don't think that that makes you less of a point guard because you're not. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. And last, I don't mean to end this on a somber note, but last question is this. So the NBA, well, all the sports in general, is at a standstill, of course. We talked about it. Okay. Um, and some people are saying you might, uh, they're, they're, they're thinking about resuming the NBA to maybe June, uh, going all the way into maybe July and August, as the mm-hmm. finals might be in August or September or something. Mm-hmm. Perfect. You leave with basketball and go right into football. I love it. <laughs> Do you – so would you think that – all right, so now you hear players coming out saying, you know, I don't – I can go this season because if say we come back in June or July, uh, there's it's going to take time for players – because not all players condition when they're supposed to be conditioned or conditioning on the days off or, or during the situation. So do you think that they should resume the, 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 the season or do you think that they should just cancel this season – and then start no. I think that they should resume this, this season. Um, you're getting paid millions of dollars um, to perform at a high level. There's no excuse that being quarantined or not, you shouldn't still be conditioning. Um, I, I just don't think that there's any excuse for that. that. That's a very poor excuse that I'm not conditioning, I'm not able to. I mean, there you, you don't need to be in the gym. I mean, if the rule is we got to be under 10 people, um, you don't need 10 people in your gender conditioning. Make sure that, you know, you, you still can find your rhythm and things like that. Um, it is unfortunate, you know what I mean, because I don't think they're going to come back and be able to just jump right back into it, but I do think it needs to be. If, if there is going to be a season, I do think it needs to resume from where it was. I don't think it should be canceled. It was getting so good. The narratives were only going by the minute, so I would hate to just, like, cancel that. That leaves it on a, on a hinge that I don't like. Yeah, and how do you feel about, um, you know, players coming out and, and giving some of their money to, of course, the arena workers, but then you see some of the teams that are reluctant and, or, or trying not to. Not, now, not every team 
of course, isn't trying to pay their employees, but there are some teams that aren't paying, or there's some some teams that are splashing and 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 cutting cutting key workers. But you see some athletes like like Zion or like like Steph Curry that are Kevin Love was one. Yeah, they're going into their own pockets to pay mm-hmm. some of the employees. How do you feel about that? Um, that speaks volumes to the organization and the individual's character. Um, you, you can't, we can't force anybody to give money for anything. You can't do that. Morally, that's not how that works. But it does speak volumes to those who don't need to be forced or asked or encouraged to do it, to do it. So um, it's a very, again, very, very, very unfortunate situation. And in a perfect world, I would only hope and assume that every athlete in every, every NBA organization could have to pay their workers. In the perfect world, I would think that, but I know that, you know, it's a lot more complicated than that. So um, for those who are able to do it and help out whatever ways they are, that's awesome. You know what I mean? And for those who can't, you know, I could only hope that your reasoning for not being able to is, is something good. Um, but very, very unfortunate situation. But, you know, pat on the back and shout out to all those who are able to help in the ways that they have been. Okay. Well, with that, that is the that is the conversation. I want to appreciate you for 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 coming on the podcast. Appreciate you for taking time out of your busy schedule. So, I'm quarantined. I'm good. <laughs> well, all I ask, uh, please, 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 Jesus, stay away from the TikTok challenges. I didn't see. <laughs> Listen, I have, I have, listen, I've done a TikTok challenge, but I have saved everybody the trouble because I have kept it with myself. It is entertainment for me and my friends, but I have not posted, I've not been another one on your timeline to post another TikTok challenge. <laughs> right here, baby girl, give me something one more time. <laughs> or savage. Or savage, oh man. But again, yes. well, I, thank you for having me, though, Jaden. I really, really, really appreciate it. And there you have it, man. I want to appreciate you guys. I want to appreciate Janae for coming on. You'll definitely be able to catch her once once sports and everything start back up. You'll definitely be able to catch her on the sideline of a Wizards or Mystics game. So, again, I appreciate Janae. I appreciate all you guys for listening. I love you guys. Lord willing, my camera comes in next week, so you'll have the visuals. Uh, I won't have to just do straight audio. I appreciate you guys, though. Please stay clean. Please stay safe. This coronavirus is serious, guys. Do not. I don't need to be seeing you guys having parties, having kickbacks, sharing hookahs. Take this seriously. Get inside. Stay clean. Stay with your loved ones. Do not play with this. Please stay safe and stay your asses inside. Please, please, please. Again, I want to thank you guys. I love you guys. Please stay clean. Please stay safe. And until next time, much love.
from flu, you at the city, girl, I know that you look pretty, but I want it all off. Yeah. You said, come and come and get it, so I came and came with it, fuck you till you're not off. Yeah. I'm PA's baby till I'm in Vegas, baby till I hit TSA. But there's no TSA. Brief like Jess. I hit Vegas great. I tell you I'm on my way. I can't bring sand to the beach. You said, come and come and get it, so I came and came with it. Fuck you till you're not off. Yeah. I'm PA's baby till I'm in Vegas, baby till I hit TSA. But there's no TSA. I hit Vegas great. I tell you I'm on my way. I can't bring sand to the beach. Can't bring the bitch to the strip. Cause you know bitches gon' hate. Turn off. I wanna see a turn. I wanna see a turn. 